This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Kenny, welcome back to the show. Honored to catch up with you and have you on again. It's been a while. We were just looking it up, and it was show, your um, show uh, 222 back in the beginning of, of 2019. So a lot's happened since then, no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, you know, you're you're one of those in the business that I respect in a big way, and, and you know, you're out there making it happen. And so I love talking to guys and gals like yourself that are very experienced and, and uh, are doing well uh, and and uh, you know especially in times like this right when deal flows almost non-existent on the multifamily side I know we're going to jump into that uh, why don't you give the listeners though, a little bit more about your background uh, it's been a while since you've been on you know and maybe you can highlight some of the some of the things in your business or maybe we'll talk about a few of them because just so the listener knows we're going to do a series we'll do at least a couple shows with Kenny um, and uh, highlight some of those moments that have helped you to to move forward, you know, in this space and in your business as you, as you go. Sure. Yeah. So I'll kind of update everybody. We, so we now are at 715 million assets under management today. Uh, so we're knocking on the door of the billion mark. That's pretty exciting. We think maybe next year uh, we'll cross over that um, because a few of our, that uh, we have some development projects that should be delivering uh, first quarter, starting first quarter next year and kind of rolling off the assembly line. Um, but so, yeah, so we do existing multifamily, like you said, we've done that ever since, you know, 20, uh, 2010, uh, so almost 14 years in the space and commercial real estate investing. Um, and then, you know, so seven years ago, we still buy those today, but seven years ago, we added two arms. So we have a triple net fund, a retail fund, um, we actually have five now. So this is on our fifth fund now. Um, they're great for monthly cash flow, all high credit tenants. So think Dollar Generals, Walgreens, um, CVS, those kind of uh, tenants uh, in our in those uh, in those funds, and then um, the opposite of m- monthly stable cash flow is development. Uh, so we do both ground up multifamily now in uh, Texas and Ohio, and then we got into the office conversion to multifamily game about three years three years ago, right in 2020. You know what better time to buy an office a vacant office building? Uh, so, anyways. Uh, so now we have 12 of those office conversions going on right now, 2.2 million square feet across the country. 11 of those are for um, uh, in downtown locations. Uh, one is in the suburbs. So we're, um, we're we're excited about those projects. And like I said, those should start. Our first one should be delivered back to us in January, February of 2024. Yeah, nice. Uh, give us uh, maybe some of the 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 big moments in your career that like uh, were big leaps for you. All right. You know, 2010, you got into, you know, multifamily you know, was there something then that really set you on a path to success, you know, and maybe a year or two later, or, you know, was there anything, anything sure. that stands out to you? It's like, man, these are the crucial moments that really pushed me forward. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the, you know, it's, um, you know, 2010 was a big move. I, I came from oil and gas accounting, so I had no background in, in, in commercial real estate. Uh, but I, I was, um, I think fairly intelligent, just surrounded myself with uh, vendors and 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 uh, folks that would help me get to our um, our end goal for our investors. Uh, so, you know, the management company, the making the right insurance team, all those kind of things, lining those up beforehand, figuring that that team out um, definitely um, uh, shortened the learning curve for us. And then really the other other kind of key things was um, key things were you know, kind of leaning in. And so we, 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 we branched out quickly. I mean, three, four years into it out to Colorado. So we bought out of state pretty quickly. 
um, as well to, to, to widen our deal flow. And then uh, I'd say uh, 2020 was a big deal uh, for us because I just kept coming to the office. I deemed myself essential uh, the, um, uh, and, and just kept coming to the office. I, I stayed home for like a day and couldn't do it with two dogs and two kids. So, uh, so anyways, uh, I love them, but it was too loud. Uh, it couldn't focus. So anyways, came, came out of the office and just really grounded out. So we ended up buying a, um, a very institutional deal, um, a deal that should have gone to an institution group buyer in downtown Dallas. And that kind of put us on the map. And then, then again, we bought our first office, vacant office building, the Rockefeller building in downtown Cleveland. That also is a splashy kind of headline. But those those key deals when you kind of can lean in at a time when maybe the institutional guys back out is a way to really uh, move your business in a big way. Uh, because then after those two deals, we started seeing all these institutional style uh, deals brought to us. We were kind of invited to the table, uh, so to speak, you know, once that uh, once that happened. So that was a big deal for us as well. Nice. No, that's awesome. Leaned in. I love how you you express that. You know, it's like uh, institutional deals that maybe not too long before that you may have thought were too big for you, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Good for you. That's awesome. I, I love hearing stories like that. Uh, well, let's let's talk about multifamily a little bit. I know that was your your bread and butter, right, for a long time. Right. Uh, and uh, like most of us, um, what's your sentiment on? on multifamily right now. And I know I want to get into how you all pivoted and into, you know, some the triple net and the office conversions. We're going to talk about that just so the listeners know uh, as well. Uh, but where are you at on multifamily right now? Maybe some expectations around multifamily. Um, what are you seeing? And, you know, let's talk about it. It's really strange right now for multifamily. Um, it's, a, it's a really weird time to be in it. Um, it's been weird for a while, I guess, but th- this is really strange because what you have now is underlying metrics. So your rents are still going up. Your occupancies are really high, um, but your your debt's crazy or it could be crazy, right? So that's the thing. If you if you have, you know, low interest fixed rate loans, um, then you have, you know, then, then you know, the grass is very, very green and, and will be for the next 10, 15 years, whatever it is foreseeable future. It's the guy, it's the folks that bought um that bought in the past, I'd say 20 and 21 and 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 on. Um, if they didn't one, if they did a bridge loan, that's fine as long as you buy a rate cap. If you didn't buy a rate cap, then you're just you're you're being hammered right now by capital calls. I mean, there's just no way to keep up with the that quick of a spike in interest rates. Um, and then even those that those of us that did buy rate caps, what we're watching is, you know, in 2024, 2025, you're going to have these rate cap, your loans are coming up on these bridge loans. So what are interest rates going to be? No one really knows, right? So everybody's kind of watching that very closely on the debt side. But again, your underlying metrics, your rents, your your demand is, is outstripping the supply um, and will for decades to come just because we're so undersupplied as a nation. Some markets are better than others on that, uh, but still, I mean, you've got you got the wind at your back on that side. So as long as you can figure out the debt side, uh, you're going to be just fine. Uh, but there's going to be some pain felt for sure uh, by folks that either didn't get the rate cap or um, just have bad timing on resetting. If if they're not stable now, um, going to a Freddie Fannie loan. Yeah, yeah, you know those that are. Uh, I, I guess I'm sure you've seen some already. That that are in trouble, right? I know I right. have I've had different people text me and say, "Hey, Whitney, have you you know anybody that's done this yet, or been through this, or done a capital call yet, or you know, uh, and are asking questions because uh, there's definitely some distress, you know, starting." Uh, right. what, what do you see as some options? I, I know that like every situation is so different, right? But but at a high level, maybe from some that you've heard from already, 
What are some options for them uh, that you know of or, or from uh, that they should be doing right now uh, to maybe not lose a deal, right? Or have to do a capital call? Right. I mean, so it's all about surviving to 2025 because everybody's basically agreed that interest rates will be lower in 2025. We don't, maybe that starts in 2024. No one really knows. Um, the Fed doesn't even seem to know. Uh, it seems like, but uh, now with this war in Israel, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that affects the Fed as well. But anyway, so that so everybody's watching that. So for for those that are in specific deals, I mean, it's really kind of linked going to your lenders now before you have trouble, um, and trying to get a workout kind of an early early extension or something. Again, just your your goal is to push that out till twenty twenty six, knowing that in twenty twenty five, you know, it's all kind of I guess understood at the moment that it's going to be um, back to a, a big seller's market um, in 2025, as long as you can survive 2024. So that's really kind of what everybody is trying to solve for now. So you're you're dig- you're digging in and like looking at each deal. When's your loan deal due? Um, hopefully it says 2025 or beyond. Uh, uh, if it doesn't, then that's the, those are the ones you got to focus on now, and maybe go to your lender try to get an early extension try to work with them already um, before you're in trouble. And like, you're going to have to do, you may have to do capital calls. I mean, that I, no one likes to do that, but right now as a, as a syndicator, I mean, your, your a number one job is to save the deal is to save their, you know, to save your investors money. And sometimes that means going, saying that ugly word and cap, the ugly phrase, uh, capital call, you know, and no one likes it. Um, the, the investors won't like it. Uh, you, you won't like it. Uh, but again, you're trying to save the asset. That's a number one. And then again, if you can make it through 2025 and beyond, then, you know, again, interest rates should be down lower. Uh, and then you're going to be just crushing it on the returns since then. So that's really kind of, I don't know, that was, that was a lot to unpack maybe, but that was a long answer. Um, but that's really kind of what, what we're doing up here now too, is, is weeding through all that. And then other, I know other syndicators are as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I loved how you said that. And even placing the first priority on hey, we're not losing the deal, right? Not yeah. losing investor capital, uh, even if it means having to do a capital call. Uh, if it gets you through uh, till 25, right? Uh, then, right. you know, hopefully you can still save the deal and save your investors money, right? Even if it means everybody having to put a little more in at the moment. Um, uh, but, you know, are you... Uh, are you still looking for multifamily deals at the moment? Are you still uh, expecting to be able to close any multifamily deals right now? Is that a focus at all uh, for you all? So, so, so we did close one this year, um, or in the uh, it was uh, in April. Um, it was a rollover for 2022, though. There just wasn't been a lot of deal flow. I mean, I think I heard a quote that the sales volume is down 75 percent from last year for multifamily. So you're just not seeing a lot, uh, seeing a lot of uh, deal flow on that side. So we we really haven't even. We've seen some, but nothing that is super exciting at the moment. Everybody's kind of sick into their pricing at the moment. Um, so we actually tested the market um, on three of our assets that are stable just to see well, what's the value, what's the market paying these days. And so one of those deals we're going to, we already went to best and final. Um, it's a deal here in Dallas, Fort Worth, but um, it's actually our first syndication deal. So we've owned that thing for a very, very long time. We just wanted to test it out because we didn't have to sell it, uh, but we're selling it at about a five and a half cap. I mean, it's a B B class deal. Uh, it's nice. It's fixed up. It's stable. So they're able to go to Fannie and Freddie, get fixed interest rate loans, avoid the rate cap. And the other two are in Cleveland, Ohio. And again, those are probably maybe maybe only a five percent discount from last year, from twenty twenty two. So you're so you're still seeing it. Uh, folks are very very hungry to do multifamily deals this year. Um, and and if you do put one on like we did, those three. 
um, you're, you're kind of the bell of the ball because there's nobody else out there selling anything. So, um, so it was interesting to see that too. And we're going to hit some awesome returns for investors on all three of those, uh, three of those deals. Love that. Uh, it's incredible. It's nice. You don't have to sell them, right? But you can right. go out and <laughs> test the market like that and see what happens. And, and it's interesting to hear the turnout though, you know, of, of buyers, right? right. For the, for those deals. Uh, and so congratulations to you, uh, you know, you all making that happen and having some deal yeah. flow there. Speak to the, um, when you determine to say pivot into some other asset classes, I know you're doing a few other things now, uh, you know, as well outside of multifamily, uh, you know, like the triple net or the office conversions. And we'll dive into a couple of those, um, you know, uh, but when did you, when, when were you comfortable to say, you know, hey, let's go tackle this other asset class as well, um, you know, outside of say your maybe multifamily was your main focus, but you did decide at some point to branch out? Yeah. So seven years ago, uh, based around 2017 for both, actually, for the retail fund, uh, we did our first retail fund, bought $7 stores in Texas and Oklahoma. All my investors thought I was crazy. Kenny's lost his mind. He's the multifamily guy buying dollar stores. What's going on? So uh, so it took a lot of education. Uh, so if you're, you are a syndicator, you're, 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 you know, you're known as a multifamily person and you jump into any other, um, any other other uh, type of offerings, um, you know, it's going to be like pulling teeth. And so, uh, so, so we, you know, so I think on that first fund in 2017, we only, we only raised like a million seven, uh, which at that time we were, we were easily raising four or 5 million, maybe more a, a pop on a multifamily deal within like a couple of days. Right. So um, it was like pulling teeth, um, but, but then it really caught on. So now we've, we've got 61 of those stores. So the 2022 fund, we raised $20 million. Uh, in that single fund, bought 24 stores in that fund. And and those are great. Like I said, they're all high credit. So you're buying those for your monthly cash flow. And so really we had a request from an investor who wanted more, you know, multifamily is great, but it's operational heavy, right? So you have to chase rents and you have to fix toilets, right? And so it's going to be up and down every month, um, but they wanted something more stable because uh, they just wanted to roll around their RV, collect ACHs, you know, every month from us. That's, that's very stable. They can rely on it. Um, and had, so basically that was the idea was to take out, strip out the operational risk as much as we could. So I actually talked to a guy that was um, a mortgage broker in the, uh, in the business, um, Paul Peebles, you guys probably know him, uh, with capital, but talked to him, asked him, what do people do after multifamily, you know, thinking that maybe there's some progression there. And he said, you know, they either do medical office or they do triple net, not because you make more money, but because they're a lot less headache. Uh, so, um, so anyway, so we, we, we jumped into the retail side. We love those, um, again, all high credit there. And then the development side, um, um, that one, I, that one's a lot more moving parts. Um, and so that one, I just went out myself, bought some townhome lots across the street from our first syndication deal. Uh, and then, um, knew I wanted to do a deal that was already zoned. So I had to mess with zoning. I talked to a developer about that. He says, never fight city hall, um, just, you know, buy stuff already zoned. And then also too, I wanted to deal where I did have to work with the city a little bit. So we, um, so it was, it was four townhome lots and I could turn them into six. Um, and so by, you know, by the Texas code. So anyways, went there did that, worked with them, had, you know, had to present in front of the city, uh, city hall and uh, the city meeting and everything like that. So it was good, good practice, uh, you know, basically built the team, uh, the GC team and then my team. That could manage the manage that process as well, uh, and then you know we did that deal, made made some good money, and then um, and then ended up buying six acres and doing an eighty eight unit ground up multifamily deal, so we could prove it out to our investors that we knew what we were doing, um, and because it's just a, it's a one hundred and sixty um, step process, 
Uh, that's what we have it down to. <laughs> it's a lot more than than uh, than than your existing multifamily, and definitely way more than like the retail fund. So, uh, so it's really building your team around you and making sure you have that before you go out and syndicate your first ground up multifamily deal. Yeah. So you found some experience, development experience to either partner with or bring on the team, I guess before before doing that or. How did you do yeah, that? Or- yeah, so, yeah. Then that was the whole idea behind, behind those townhomes: build those first and get a feel for that, um, and get comfortable with that process. Because if you can build six townhomes, you can do eighty, a hundred, whatever it is. I mean, it's about the same steps. It's just you make more money on the bigger one, so uh, you might as well go bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, might as well. So, how did you narrow down? Uh, you know, he, Paul people said uh, triple net or medical office. Uh, you know, what were your thoughts about, you know, those, uh, you know, like medical office or, uh, you know, but you all went into, yeah, the triple net, you know, Walgreens, Dollar, Dollar Generals, those, you know, what were some of the deciding factors and what asset class you were going to move into? Yeah, I mean, so we like, I like the high credit, I like the guarantee of those Walgreens and Dollar Generals because the parent company guarantees the rent. So, wow. so since 2017, we've never missed a rent payment at all from any of our tenants. Uh, and then, and then even through COVID, we didn't have any kind of, um, rent relief or even a rent reduction request at all uh, on all, all of our portfolio because we focused on these high credit tenants and they were open all through the pandemic, all, all of our folks. So, uh, so we really didn't have an issue with that. And I'm glad we did because there's other folks that, that, uh, that I knew in the business that they, they went into like strips and strip malls, strip centers, um, and they had a lot of mom and pop owners and they definitely had rent relief requests and things like that. So they were really uh, kind of nervous throughout COVID, but uh, but our, ours, again, because we who we picked uh, on the guarantors and they stayed open, um, we didn't have any kind of request at all. So I think that was good to pick to stay with that, those high credit tenants like that on the retail front. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's incredible. Uh, great to know that as well. Uh, yeah. Speak to uh, maybe a couple items, a couple of things that uh, maybe the passive investor would need to know when they're investing uh, with an operator. Uh, in in a triple net fund or something like that. What are some questions? You know, if they've always done multifamily, what are some things they need to know about that type of fund? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's uh, definitely you know what's the track record. Um, so the and also you know you you need to ask you know what's the biggest risk. So the biggest risk to those is buying one store, um, and and that's why we do a fund setup structure. And that's the only fund structure we do is because, with those because if you buy one store, it it's it could be risky, right? Because it's like a it's like buying a single family home. If you're vacant, you're 100 percent vacant. Uh, so it's more risky to buy one house than three. Uh, so, anyways, that's the thinking is that we put into a fund structure. So that was a big deal. Um, the other thing too is, do they have experience um, repurposing buildings? So um, we haven't had any go dark um, since 20 or since we started. Um, we've done a lot of renewals already. Um, but what we have made us made a, a point to do is acquire. Uh, former Walgreens that are now um, that now have tenants like Family Dollar, Dollar General. Um, so we have that experience and know kind of what they're looking for. Um, uh, because you're, what we're seeing now is even if a Walgreens or CVS goes dark, you're seeing these dollar stores want to move up and square footage to those. Uh, and then the same thing if you're if you see some Family Dollar or Dollar Tree, and they almost never go dark, but if they do, you're seeing um, auto parts uh, companies trade up to the space. So they're, 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 what's interesting is no one really reports on it. All these retailers want more square footage. Um, so we're all, we all hear this like Amazon is, is going to take all the business. Well, um, Amazon uh, has retail locations now uh, that you can walk into. And then also um, all these retailers that we've seen, they're, they're, they, they're trading up when they can. 
uh, for for bigger square footage. So you're it's interesting to see that actually in the side um, on that. And then and then how high credit are your tenants? Um, so we are 100% high credit. Um, so all of our uh, tenants, except for one at one location, they're all publicly traded. Um, the one that's not publicly traded, they are still high credit. The parent company, it's an LA Fitness outside of Orlando, um, but they uh, they they still guarantee the 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 uh, the rent. So we're uh, we are 100% high credit. A lot of folks are maybe 60, 70% that are in the business as well. So okay, so that passive investor man, they need to know obviously the operational experience of the operator, right? Or have they done this before? No doubt. But I liked what you said, you know, the biggest risk is buying one store. Uh, right. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I, I think you would uh, maybe even investor, uh, uh, you know, of a group that they trust, they might want them to only, they, the thinking might be, well, I only want them to start with one first, right? right. Uh, but yeah. man, that they, they could be <laughs> the opposite of, of what really needs to happen. Right. But I, I like that. Uh, you said that, but uh uh, and, and then that's why you did a fund structure, no doubt about it. Uh, it what about, uh, you know, I was thinking about that type of project, that type of building. Are you all managing those as well? Probably we a lot do. less management, less hassle, I'm sure, right? Yeah, it's a lot less management, but you do have to do some. So we we did have to create a new management company actually in-house once they hit about, I think, store for 30, um, just because you do. So we, we get reimbursed for property taxes and insurance. Um, but you still have to pay it and submit it and get reimbursed and so track that. And then um, some of these are double net um, assets. So so kind of a worst case scenario um, for is our typically family dollars. Uh, those um, were responsible for the roof, the structure, the parking lot and part of the HVAC. Um, and so we have to manage that as well on the CapEx side as well. So it was, it was enough that we around, like I said, I think it was around 30 store 30 that we created that new um, management company. Um, and like you said, it's a lot less, but there's still enough to be where you need some hands-on, uh, hands-on experience about getting reimbursed and all that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, I want to, uh, I want to dive in more in a moment to the, uh, uh, office conversion. I know we've received a lot of questions about that and, or people wondering, Hey, is that even possible? And, and, you know, they've heard a lot of the issues, you know, that you run into sounds like you're tackling that head on and, all these office spaces that are vacant, what do we do with them? There's got to be a way we can use those, right? Or, or use that right. space or convert them to something. And we're going to dive into that today. Kenny, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Whitney. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks yeah, let's do that. Let's just hop right back in. And uh, Kenny, I know you all, I think you mentioned uh, in yesterday's segment that you're doing 12 of these right now, uh, which uh, kind of blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's, it's awesome. I love that. Uh, but office conversions, let's talk through that process a little bit. Uh, I've heard different different people say, oh, it's so difficult because they're, you know, the windows aren't in the right spot or the electrical's not in the right place or that, you know, like we can't use these buildings for multifamily or whatever. Um, but talk through the process a little bit of, of what that looks like for from to take an office building to multifamily and why you would even consider it. Sure. I mean, like you said, there's a big, um, there's a whole bunch of vacant space in the B and C class office spaces, um, especially in downtown locations, really everywhere, but downtown, it's kind of where we're focused on. Um, the A class is actually interesting. The A class office is actually increasing rents and occupancy right now. So it's really kind of a tale of two cities. Um, so, you, so, but in B class and below, if you're not highly amenitized, if you're not the newest thing on the block, um, you're really struggling right now. And so, so that's what kind of we're, we're focused on. Um, we're buying these for, you know, pennies on the dollar right now. Um, there's a lot of distress in, um, in the office space right now. 
and um, and and you're seeing it now. I mean, we're buying our first foreclosure right now directly from a bank uh, that took back a, an office building. So you're so we're starting to see those kind of start coming to fruition. I think it's going to be picked up the next 12 months or so. Um, but it's a commercial, and you know, this is a commercial real estate issue, and so it's going to be pretty clean and quick. Uh, so you got to be ready to capitalize um, on those. And so um, we're buying these, you know, everywhere between 40 and 90 dollars a square foot in downtown locations, irreplaceable locations, walk scores of, you know, 95 plus typically uh, before we even get there. Um, and so awesome locations. So we're buying them again on the cheap. They, these guys probably paid 200 to 400 a foot for what we paid uh, for what we're paying compared to that. So, uh, but it is a big construction site. We, we consider it development. You have to wear a hard hat on, on site. So we got the entire floor. You, you get down to the cement deck um, pretty much all the way. You, and you're, you're having to redo electric AC plumbing. I mean, you get basically getting all brand new systems, which I like. It's like, an, it's an A-class you're, it's almost like a ground up. I mean, you're getting brand new systems throughout the building. Uh, and then our finished shower, we're going for a plus, uh, so, you're, you know, quartz countertops, granite countertops, um, you know, Bosch appliances, th- those kind of things, those high level finish outs that we're going for. Um, and then we're commanding almost $3 a foot rent. And so, so those are, um, those are really interesting deals. You have to know what you're doing or like we did hire somebody, uh, for our first one, uh, that did. So we, so we teamed up with, uh, with some amazing, um, architects, uh, that knew exactly what they're doing. And they've done this many, many times before. Uh, then also teamed up with some um, national um, general contractors as well uh, that have done these adaptive reuse um, projects before as well. So we, uh, those first couple, we were learning a lot. Um, now, now we, now we know what we're doing after 12, uh, you know, in the process. So it's really about plumbing. That's the biggest deal. I mean, you're, everything else is pretty easy to run because you've got, you know, that middle, usually it's a middle core of, of, of uh, elevator shafts and all that. In the middle of the building, you've got a um, you've got a hallway around, and then you, you got windows, right? So, um, uh, but really, plumbing is the biggest deal, um, and it's a lot of core drilling. I mean, you're just coring down all the way. Like, I mean, these buildings that we're that we're doing are 17 story buildings. You know, some are 12. I mean, some are 24. So we're it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of core drilling uh, to get new plumbing uh, in the system, and then we usually have way too many elevators, and so we can use one or two of those uh, as to run our utilities. Um, do a trash shoot, those kind of things. So you have to be a little, a little creative because you have to live inside this box. You got a you got a floor plate that you have to live within. And how do you fit? How do you maximize how many units you can put on there um, and still make it feel roomy and open? Um, and you've got some amazing views. I mean, it's just uh, we, we love these projects. They're downtown, like, and we're you know we're probably all in at the end of the day, maybe two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars a square foot net. And I say net because uh, there are uh, eight of our 12 are historic buildings. And so we get a lot of grant money from the federal government, uh, most of the time the state as well, depending on the state. Uh, so we get a lot of a uh, lot of grant money on that. And so the federal government is you know, guaranteed you're going to get 20 percent of your hard construction cost as a grant in year five, which is amazing. Uh, and then the states all vary as well. So like in Texas, they just do an, an additional 25% from the state of Texas. So 45% of your construction cost, your hard construction costs are a grant um, on these historic office buildings in Texas. Uh, in Ohio, it's a competition. We won it uh, two years ago for a property. We're, we're submitting, we just submitted now to, to be on the competition now. But if you win, you get an extra $5 million of equity uh, from the state of Ohio to your project. Um, which again is a, is a big deal, and then we're also seeing seller carries too. So there's a lot of 
there's enough distress where we've had um, sellers actually um, four times now leave money in the deal, um, so they don't they don't lose their shirt. Uh, they make some money, um, um, and then we we come in and do the um, uh, you know with our investor group come in um, at a higher ownership percentage, usually about the similar equity amount, but a higher ownership percentage. So we're getting some extra juice for our investors as well. Incredible, man! Many great items there. I was just taking a bunch of notes. Love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, it sounds like plumbing is the biggest issue, drilling through the concrete and all that. But it, but it can be done, right? I love that that you know we didn't just say hey, it can't be done. No, we went out and we found architects who know what they're doing and said hey, how can we make this happen? Uh, even even figuring out the grant, man, uh, that's incredible. Forty five percent of the construction costs back. Oh, it's a huge deal. So we bought this. Yeah. So I mean, I'll give you guys. A, I'll give you a live deal. So we bought a deal in Dallas in April. Uh, we raised nine million dollars to to um, of equity. We're going to get sixteen million of grant money, guaranteed. I mean, so it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's just unreal. Um, so our investors are loving these historic office conversions, and uh, we've got more teed up. So we're um, we, we like them too. Um, it's a little bit more work because you have to keep it historical, right? Um, but it's definitely uh, you know well worth it to to uh, for the returns for the investors. It doesn't add that much more per foot. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'd love to dive in even more. Unfortunately, we gotta we gotta move to a few final questions. Uh, but uh, or or maybe maybe tell me this. Uh, you know about this office conversion. Um, you know when you are um, uh, when you're looking for these specific spaces. You know what are some deal breakers that you know what we or there's no way we can do this one or or versus you know the ones you all have selected. Sure. Um, so so far, the biggest floor plates, so one floor um, that we're doing right now is is, is thirty two thousand square feet. So it's, which is a pretty big four plate. There's 17 stories of that, but 32 square feet on one floor. Um, that one, we had to be a little creative on some dead space. Um, so when there's lack of windows in one section or whatever, you got to figure it out. Um, and then you also have to keep in mind um, uh, fire code as well. So, you know, how quickly can folks get to the stairwell and then also uh, fire, you know, making sure there's a firewall in between. So what we did on that one, uh, we actually created a um, some very nice storage lockers all the way down that hallway. Um, so it added, it broke up that hallway somewhat. So again, the, for, for fireproofing and then solved our problem for the stairwell and at the same time fixed this dead space. So it's kind of, you have to be that kind of creative throughout the space. I mean, you're, you know, some of our others ones we're doing, if they're not, if they're bigger floor plates like that, you're having to get creative with the dead space. So some of them are doing like alternating kind of like business kind of lounges on every floor. Um, to, you know, um, a video game room, a movie theater, like that, kind of break it up on those floors like that as well. Um, and then you can have a lot of fun in the basement. Um, so there's, a you know, these usually have basements and the, the, which, you know, is it, so you try to put all your utilities down there if you can, your boilers, your um, whatever you have down there, um, all the all that right there. And so that, uh, that definitely helps with space. But again, it just comes back to, you know, make sure you have got the knowledge um, from those architects that have done this, especially on the historical stuff, because you got to preserve certain walls, uh, certain finishings to to qualify. Yeah. Well, do you see this continuing, this opportunity to convert office to multifamily? Or you see uh, maybe it drying up or more people doing it or maybe people coming back to the office? What, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think if you're if you're if you're not at the office now, you're not going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like everybody knows kind of where they're at now on their physical occupancy. Um, and, and that's a big thing to talk about too, is um, office, you know, office buildings occupancy. Is there, is you, make sure you ask the broker if they're leased or is it physical occupancy? That's what we want to know, physical occupancy, because 
um, those leases are going to eventually burn off and that those are going to be trouble, right? So you you want to know that uh, going in. Uh, but if you're not back to the office, you're probably not back now. So I think feel like everybody knows kind of where the, the occupancy is. Um, and each each city is a little bit different on that as well. And what what industry uh, that you're in um, on the occupancy. Um, but then so yeah. now the, the owners know, OK, I know my occupancy. I've got debt issues. If I do have them, they're they're really big right now. And then how, how do we get out of it? Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.